we don't have to talk about the national championship, do we? Oh, no. All right. Well, let's talk about something that the people are really here for. The form on Will Smith's slap. No. Um, the final four was awesome until it wasn't. For those of you trying to wonder what I'm referring to, I'm a lifelong born and bred Carolina fan. So we sent Coach K home in the pack and then wound up in the pack ourselves. It, it, it was really an emotional roller coaster of hell. I, I feel like, you know, um, to do that myself, it, it, the tournament prize should have only ended two ways. And it just didn't end either way. It ended weird. Who who the fuck was like? I don't know any Kansas. Kansas is weird. But but UNC blowing the biggest championship lead ever is. But but you know you know this is this is year three of us actually coaching high school basketball. This is uh, the twenty third year in my life that I've watched basketball. I watched that game in a room with about six people. And um, I was texting probably eight to ten more. I don't know if I said this in our text exchange, but I like I called that happening as soon as we went to have because my phone started blowing up at halftime. It was like, you gotta be so thrilled, blah blah blah. I was like, listen, number one, it's college basketball, which means there's gonna be some really Fucking stupid mistakes, like really stupid mistakes. I mean, let's 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 start with Theo John picking up four first half fouls. Like that's just dumb. Let's... Oh, you're talking about Duke. I was talking about Kansas, the Kansas game. Oh, you're talking about the championship game. But but yeah, that's well, an let's example. Start, let's start but... with Duke. It happened before. I mean. With Duke, I thought I thought Duke was going to win by eight points. I, I texted you. You thought Duke was going to win by ten points. Um, I don't know. It's just they had nothing for my boy Baycott on the boards. Uh, Caleb Love channeled the ghost of J.R. Smith, and he was, uh, he was Michael Jordan. He, he was Michael that night. But I thought Paolo played really. Well. I, I just thought Duke didn't. I they, they, they didn't their game plan was shitty. They got they allegedly they got, the best coach ever. They got a surprise performance in my in my eyes from Trevor Keels. Roach was Roach. Um, AJ Griffin was terrible. He's a weird player, man. I I, I have no yeah. idea what to think of him. I mean, yeah, dude. Like in one breath, dude, he lights Carolina up for twenty seven in January, and then you know here in March, how much he have? Not a lot. I had to be single digits. Like I know he didn't hit a three. Over prime. I don't know if it's because he he's a guy that needs the ball in his hands and he didn't have the ball a lot, but he's just an up and down guy. I thought Mark Williams was really good. Um, all tournament. Him getting in foul trouble early altered the game as well. I think yep. if he didn't get in foul trouble, it would have been a completely different game for Carolina. That's where yep. I think that. Eight to ten line from us comes from is assuming Mark yes. Williams is a real factor in the game, and and, and, also, and, and to Carolina's credit, they took an out of it. I'm going full pack on Coach K, man. That was fucking egregious. 
first of all, I don't understand the decision to go small. So that Williams had four fouls. What did he pick up his fourth foul with like 10, 11 minutes left, something like that? It's been a while since the game, so I'm trying to remember. But um, they put him back in with four minutes left, which is, you know, like the right call. You got a guy with four fouls. You probably can't put him back in for the last five minutes of the game. But then they took him out after like two possessions and just decided to close the game small, which I thought was dumb. And then you've got Paolo, who's playing incredible. He was the best player in that game on – probably both sides of the floor. But the reason he didn't have as good of a game as Caleb Love is because he didn't have the fucking ball. They just needed to get him the ball, and they didn't do that. I, I, when I was watching it, because I watched the first half of the game at my girlfriend's house, and then I was streaming it on my phone, and then I got to a bar, and I was watching that at a bar. Last, I watched the last minutes of the game at the bar. After that last bucket he got on Manic, I felt like he didn't touch the ball. I'm like, why is he getting iced he out right now? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're 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 icing out your guy. Like, I understand Roach was playing well in the tournament. He closed a couple games out. He he played big. He stepped up. But like in this moment, you know who who got you there. Let him let him get you to the finish line. And he I, is. I think and like you said, I think that's on K, man. Like, yeah. Like, like he had Brady Manic on him. He was gonna kill Brady Manic down the. Down the he track. was killing Brady Manic. No matter what Boo Monty Jones thinks. Yeah, yeah, that that was that was a little ridiculous. I tend to like Bamani's thought process on a lot of things, but that was an egregious take. That was someone who just was not watching the game, apparently. Um, but Paolo's potentially the number one pick in the draft. Uh, he he's special. His footwork is amazing. He was playing well all tournament. Very aggressive. His passing all tournament was very well. I think I think that's what really showcased it, and that's what put put it over the top for me. Because like the interior passing, even some of the dump off off drives, I was like, yes. "Wow!" Like you know, yes. I think even if he wasn't going to take every shot down the stretch, the ball should have been in his hands as the primary decision maker because he showed the capability all tournament to make the passes in big moments. Um. But they didn't. And uh, Kennedy Meeks 2.0, a.k.a. Armando Baycott, uh, put 20 boards on their ass and got him to the championship. And then, I mean, love. I knew when, once once he missed that free throw, came down, and I was like, he's going to come. He's going to hit a dagger, right? He's going to come off screen and hit a dagger. And I, had, I, I had the utmost confidence Duke was winning that game in the last – Minute. I was like, "There's just this is just what Duke does." I, I was thinking of uh, Austin Rivers, Tyus Jones, Nolan Smith, all all the game winners against Carolina, and somehow Caleb Love did that before he turned back into a pumpkin against Kansas. That Kansas game was heartbreaking. That's our segue. Uh, yeah, and it the the reason it's heartbreak the reason it's heartbreaking and at the same time I'm very well equipped to deal with this is because I had non like I don't know I I tend to think of us as students of the game like we watch a lot of basketball we're involved a lot of basketball um I I saw every single thing that was going to happen in the second half like let's go back in the tournament North Carolina blew that 26 point lead to Baylor when Manic went out Kansas a couple times at this tournament, but specifically against Miami, came out of the second half like a bat out of hell. Yeah, that's what they do. They're a bunch but, of old. But dudes. both, I know, I know for for a fact, 
both me and you said this game's not over. This game's not close. No, no. Not even close. Now, from, like, the outside looking in, if you're a fan, you're like, oh, this is going to be a snoozer. Like, Carolina's out of roll. No. Like, you no. know, it, it wasn't going to be like that. And Manic, I think yeah. – Manic got hit in the head and just looked kind of goofy the rest of the game. I don't know if he was concussed or not. Um, he had maybe. to be, dude. That, that's a heavy dude. Like, that was, like, coming off a jump hook. Like, you know, the energy – you're like, you're not even thinking about him. It's inadvertent, like – Yep, all that energy coming straight down from a jump hook. That you you saw how he was laying on the ground. That that's it was like he got punched in the face. And, and it's not like a regular six two six three human being who's like, okay, that, that guy's pretty big. No, no, no. David McCormick, he's, he's, it's he's, a ginormous he's, human being with a full momentum elbow. I, I thought the the microcosm for the game and, and kind of the the. Uh, tournament from North Carolina was they they ran out of gas number one I have said I don't know if I said it to you or whoever but I said my concern for them was the fact they only go five six deep and it was the same thing for, with Villanova against Kansas Kansas was a deep team they had veteran players they had real guard play so it, it was deep gonna... and veteran that was the difference and really looking into the tournament they were the best team coming in Duke probably had the most talent but Overall, Kansas was the best team. I was very impressed with the actions Bill Self was running. I, I watched a lot of big-time college coaches have their teams in situations where they were running no type of offensive sets, no type of plays, no types of action. Every time Kansas was inbounding the ball, I felt like they had some type of awesome play drawn up. I felt like every time they got a little, or at least in the second half, they, they would get into their half-court stuff. They would get good looks. They were getting great looks in the second half. North Carolina might have had five good looks in the second half. Like, seriously. They and just they, it was a coaching and they shot the hell out the ball the entire tournament. They like, sure did. Braun, Abaji finally came back alive. Yep. Um, um, Remy Martin turned back into Arizona State Remy Martin. Yep. Uh, uh, even Jalen Wilson started hitting shots. He was hitting shots on the championship game. McCormick was big for him the entire tournament. So it was just a team that was played right it, it to me. So let's go through the North Carolina injuries. Um, Caleb Love tweaked his. He just destroyed his ankle in the second half, like early in the second half, and then from there it did not look like he was playing with the same explosion. And he's obviously a guy who that matters to his game. Um, Baycott came in with the I think high ankle sprain. He was visibly limping around all game. And I mean, he, I was surprised he finished the Duke game. Yeah, yeah. And he put 12 and 10 in the first half. But the, his points, like, they were not – I think he was 3 from 11 from the field in the first half. Like, he was not able to get any type of lift. And he was really just crashing the hell out of the glass and getting to the free throw line and scoring. Because he, he did not look mobile at all. He was just using his – I thought he had a master class in the first half of just body positioning and body usage. Um. He got to the second half, though, and that's when the adrenaline starts to wear off. But and high ankle sprains never get better as the game goes on. Any type of ankle sprain, really. And um, the and the loose floorboard oh was, a, was a factor. Was a factor. Oh, my God. But I feel like that ankle was going to give out at some point. It, it was, like you said, it, he's already, already on an aggravated ankle playing line. He was probably had it taped. I didn't see a brace on it. Probably had it taped. Right, and you know, it was one step 
and just boom, he was. Crazy. You know what drives me crazier than the loose floorboard? Um, they ran an inbounds play at that. They were inbounding under the basket on the right side of the court, and they had they were supposed to have. It looked like Manic was supposed to set a screen, but somebody fucked that play up because I saw at the time somebody put their hands up, and I was like, "Oh fuck, that's going to be five seconds." But Baycott acted as a release valve, and he caught the ball. And since there was only so much time on the shot clock, he started driving. And I was like, this is just going to end terribly. And it, it was literally just more than a floorboard. He should not have been in that situation because the inbounds play was a clusterfuck. And they inbounded it to him as the release valve instead of an R.J. Davis, instead of Caleb Love. Met. Like somebody who actually is more natural with the ball in their hands out in the perimeter. Yep. And it, it was just a disaster. Um. North Carolina did not execute well in the late game as far as – I mean, they didn't execute anything in the second half. But specifically the last minute, they had about three plays drawn up where they weren't even able to complete the play because somebody goofed. The last play of the game, Manic fell down. Yeah, yeah, I remember, remember we are uh, texting about it, and it was like it, – it was the – I think what he called it the winner's play. It's like the yeah. Brad Stevens play, you know, backside. It's a long pass to the backside, and then it's a – it's a screen across the the top. Guy yep. coming across the middle for a shot, and that was going to be Caleb Love. Yeah, guy, I was hitting it. He was hitting those shots. If he got a clean look, maybe he ties the game there. But you can even okay. you can even tell Puff makes that that pump fake, and Mannix literally just falling over. He's like, ah, fuck, like the play yeah, was, I, yeah, the play was screwed from the beginning. I was so happy with Puff Johnson. I actually said the first time he came into the game, I was like, he's going to have to be our X Factor. I have tweeted records of this, by the way, so I'm not talking about my ass. But he played awesome until he almost died. Like, that was that was scary as fuck when he just was on the ground. Like, <laughs> that, was a, that was a wild moment. I was like, someone get him. Like, I got scared. Oxygen, some water, some something, dude, because he was not good. I got scared because my, my mind went uh, – because you texted me. You were like, he grabbed his heart. And my mind instantly flashed. Was it the guy from Florida who, who had, a uh, like, a yeah. long-term effect and it, it, like, affected his heart? I was mm-hmm. like, shit, can we not, like – Because cause he, was, he, was, he was grabbing his chest, and I was like, dude, that is not good. Like, yeah, I was like, I would prefer he, Puff Johnson he, to not have a mortal wound or something. He spit up on the like, floor. Outside of his near-death experience, though, he played awesome. The only my only gripe with him, what is it? The first time UNC, the first possession UNC had down three, uh, with 18 seconds left. Caleb Love took an egregious shot with about 18 seconds left (laughs) on the clock. Yeah, but we and Puff Johnson got it back, and he took an egregious shot with 14 seconds left, and then Manic got the O Reb with nine. And he threw it out of bounds. I was like, Gee, like it, it was just the poise they had in, in that Duke game was absolutely gone. 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 I don't know if it was because they were all gassed. I I, I think that has something to do with it. Because I, I, I think they showed no moment was too big for them. They just looked like their bodies were toast. And, I mean, Baycott had the two ankle sprains, the first one against Duke and the second one in the second half. Love, love tweaked his ankle. Manic was hitting the head. Puff Johnson was throwing up. Leaky Black didn't really play in the second half because of foul trouble, which I thought was the biggest part of that game. Um, and is and is like as much as like people try to say he's like a non-factor, like Leaky Black does a lot. He plays a lot of defense, man. Like he's their best rebounds. Defender. He's their best and, like, defender. He outscored. He outscored and outplayed AJ Griffin in the Duke game. Yeah, flat out. 
he can shoot. He's going to shoot open shots, right? He very clearly is their best defender at six eight. Um, and, and he's a starter. Like, there's a reason he's a starter. There's a reason he's in the rotation. And when you when you take that out, you, it, it's crippling to a team with a, a short rotation like Carolina, um, because their young guys just weren't ready for a moment. And Hubert, know it. Like, if if Hubert tried to to play with a with an extended bench this tournament run, they would have got beat by Baylor. He knows it, and I think he understands it would have been unfair to those guys. Like, speaking as a coach, you, you do want in an ideal world for all of your players to be able to contribute. But you and I have been there with various teams we've coached. You're not going to put someone in in a spot you know they're not prepared to handle so that they get embarrassed. It's bad on all counts. It, it really is. It, it, it's just not good for anybody. So you roll with what you got. They made it as far as they did, which was awesome. That, that's probably one of the most satisfying UNC seasons, maybe outside of winning a national championship ever. Uh, they really turned it around midseason and became that, which I thought was just freaking awesome. Um, I mean, I, I feel like outside of winning a national championship, obviously, this is probably going to be the best UNC season ever just because of the circumstance. You yes. beat Duke in pride, the greatest game of the rivalry's history. Like, there's no yes. doubt about it. And then you, two, a month before that, you beat Coach K in his last home game. And, and it's, it's more than it, – it's the struggles they had at the beginning of the year. It's the exodus of players that transferred. Uh, it's Roy Williams retiring. It's Caleb Love looking terrible midseason and then finding out he was really good at basketball again. Um, it, it was just a really feel good for, like for a Carolina fan it was a feel good story uh, I think they only lose Baycott next year or not Baycott I'm sorry Manic Manic I know it was, that was his last year but they get Baycott back they get RJ Davis back I imagine I, I think they I think I think Caleb Love goes to the draft I'll be honest I think that last I think he that last game was bad man uh, I still I still think he put up a tour date Hey, hey, I know. He I put know. up a tour date, guys. Was but, four, it, five, it, it was, but, but like you said, it, he obviously wasn't healthy in that second half of that game because of the ankle. And typically, how that trend went throughout the tournament, he would it would take him a long time to, to get to get to the field a couple of times. He'd get a few layups. Then the three started coming. I feel like Maybe he doesn't tweak that ankle. Maybe he has a better performance than that second. That's that's in the in a perfect world. But I truly think he helped himself this tournament. I in the, in a class that doesn't have a lot of, of point guards, star power at the guard position really at all. I feel like he's he put himself in a position to at least be an early second round pick, if not late middle like. I don't know. I don't know if he played himself up to the early second round. I think he could be mid to lower. I think he could come back just based on the fact that he could play himself into a first round pick next year. Yeah. I I, I was really happy with Hubert. I I really like how he coaches. I wish he would have taken a timeout during that Kansas run. But outside of that, I have nothing to complain with. Um, 
should we talk some draft? Is there anything else we should hit on tournament wise? Um, I, I, yeah, I guess we can transition to draft because it, it kind of involves these guys. So I, I think the best way to do this is I think doing a mock draft before we know the official order is a little unreasonable, but we're probably going to do something very similar to that. So I can't wait to sound like a hypocrite in 15 minutes. Um, I think we should just take the current draft order of the lottery, just the lottery, and we should say who we think is the best fit for that team and why. Um, any objections? No. Uh, oh, I want to put one thing out here. I'm going to be leaning on you for G League stuff. I'm only going to speak on guys I've watched. This show. I, I didn't watch any G League. I don't know anything about Jalen Hardy or Bo Champ or any of those guys. Um, I'm also see. I I can't even touch those guys either, and I kept him really off my my lottery because I I I didn't see a lot of it. Like you know what I mean? Right. It wasn't like when we were in quarantine, it was lockdown, where they were just yeah, right. shit in your face. Like you know what I mean? It got it came back to you know your scheduled programming. So you know I'm a I'm I work. You're in school, so it it wasn't like it was last year. So no, um, and I'm also not including Shade and Sharp here. I don't know if that's a mistake or not, but I I would say I only include him because I know he's eventually going to come out, but I know where you're coming from. I know what he's saying publicly, but like one right, then, then, I'm, then I'm leaning on you with him. Pick one right now. This is all according to Tankathon. I hope this is updated. I think it's updated. Pick one as of, what is today? Five, four, what month is it? It's fucking April 6th. Okay. Houston has a number one pick in the draft, according to Tankathon. Number one out lottery odds. Who is the best fit for Houston? What should Houston look to build around? Go ahead and start us off. Uh, I think Houston could do a number of things if they had the number one pick. But what I think they would eventually do, because I think they're going to part ways with with Christian Wood this all season. I think they're going to go Chet Holmgren. Yeah. I'm sorry. The, people going to look at stats, and they going to look at, at whatever the fuck else they look at, and they're going to tell me he's a good basketball player. That man is shameless. He is a shameless basketball player. <laughs> My God. You watch him sometimes. He, he reminds me of Hassan Whiteside in the sense that he puts up good numbers in, in his opportunity, but then you watch how he gets those numbers and you just want to vomit. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, and you can see why the Rockets don't win games. So, um, but I, I think they would, they would probably go check home there. I think that's what they would do. I don't know if that's the best fit. So, like, let's see who they've got on their roster. They've got – Kevin Porter going forward. I wish this told me the contract years they have. Can I just go to, like, NBA trade machine? What is this? Aha, here we go. Um, years of – oh, that's years of experience. What the hell? All right, let's just, let's just sit here and say they're trying to build around Jalen Green. 
Who is the best running mate for Jalen Green? Honestly, in my opinion, you just put another athletic guard next to him. I kind of like Ivy next to him. Can Ivy play the one? I think he can develop into a one. I'm just asking. I, I like Ivy a lot. Um, I, I That's just a question around his game. So here's what Houston has going forward. They've got Kevin Porter Jr. Um, for one more year next year. They've got Garrison Matthews for four years. Josh Christopher for four years. Set Alprin Sangbun for four years. David Nawaba for three years. Jalen Green for four years. Eric Gordon for three years. They still have another year of John Walls. Albatross. Jay Sean Tate, they have another year. This team is screaming a big. Like, they, they, they probably take Chet. Um, I don't know if that's the best fit for them necessarily. <clears throat> I think... I think they should take Jabari. And I'm going to tell you why. I... Uh, I don't think – this is a personal belief of mine. I don't think you can win a championship with your two best players being guards unless they are both Hall of Fame guards. I don't know if that's a fucking hot take, but the, the last team to do it was the Warriors in pre-Kevin Durant. The Pistons did it, the bad boy Pistons, I mean. There's just not a lot of teams with most of their team-building resources committed to their point and shooting guard that can win a title, in my opinion. So with that being said, I don't think they should take Ivy, even though that would probably be really fun with Green and Ivy. And maybe my argument is disingenuous, but I think, ha- I think in, in the playoffs in this era, forwards are what get it done. Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Giannis, Kawhi. Uh, we'll see if Jason Tatum can do it Jason Tatum right 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 he'd be the next one up right Uh, the Phoenix Suns this year might try to poke a hole in my argument but I I think the Phoenix see that was I was about to get that I I think the Phoenix Suns are another team that could probably do that but but like the difference is there first of all number one they have two Hall of Fame guards I'm assuming Devin Booker just doesn't fall off a cliff. So I'm assuming he's going to keep this trajectory and end up in the Hall of Fame. Chris Paul's a Hall of Famer. But then you look at the rest of that team, and the rest of that team is built very well. They've got wings with Crowder, Bridges, Cam Johnson. DeAndre Ayton's a top seven big. They've got campaign is a good bench spark plug. They get picked up shit. Like, that's just a really, really well-constructed team. And I don't have the faith in – most teams to be competent. So that's why I say I don't I don't think that Ivy Ivy's the best fit for them if you want to make an entertaining team and sell tickets. If you want to try to win something, I think they should take uh Chet or Jabari. I I feel like Van Carroll's a kind of a weird fit with next to Jalen Green. He is. Because I, I don't – I just don't know how that works defensively. 
because like before we even move on, like I like Bancaro with in Detroit is something that probably it's something that frees me a lot more. Yeah, I, I still think it brings your defensive questions, but like any any team that has Paolo is gonna make me question defensively just because And the thing questions. about the thing about that is too I feel like it's mentality because he has the tools to be a great defender. The other thing, the other thing is though too, wasn't Jason Tatum a dog shit defender in college? If I'm remembering correctly, yeah, like he was pretty bad defensively in college. Um, Lonzo Ball was another one who was bad defensively in college, but these are the guys. That even have... like Ben Simmons, think about that. Ben Simmons even rookie year, right, right. So I, th- I think if you have the tools, you probably – it's easier to develop if you get into the right situation. Paolo – Paolo's an interesting one, man. I, I – we'll get to him in a minute, but are we penciling like, – I think pencil? you could – I think for Rocket, you could probably pencil in Chet at this point. I, I think Chet as well, and I think his role defensively – I know people keep listing him as a center. But defensively, he has to be more like – now, granted, this is a wild thing to say, so put some fucking salt on this. Uh, Giannis, in the sense that he's going to be playing – he's going to be a bigger helpline defender who's more mobile. The, yeah, that's I, – I know what you mean by that. People who are listening be like, he's good. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's the yeah. role in which he would play within the defense. Yeah. He's not going to be a, a guy that's going to be standing around the rim. You put your home at the rim. I'm he's gonna put through put a, it. I'm gonna probably put a hundred pain points on you that night. He's gonna get put through it, and that was shown against Memphis. Uh, I, I just think you put him on the help line and you have him as a rotational guy. Like people are gonna see a seven foot, seven two guy, and they're gonna be like, "Oh my gosh, that's he's poor Zingas. He's white. He's skinny. He's that tough. You got to put him as a rim." No, no, no. I think he. I think he, he moves a little off. bit better than poor Zingas, and like mm-hmm. I think that's what excites people. Like, yeah. If he figures out, you know how to skip quicker, maybe put on a little bit more weight. That's where, you know, things excite you about. He's an interesting player. He, he's really an interesting player because he's very skilled. Like, he's very, very, very skilled. He's just small. Like, he's just not as quick frail, as Durant. man, yeah. He's not as quick as Durant and not as shifty. He doesn't have the same handle where he can be like, okay, that's a seven-foot guard type guy but he can bring the ball up he can make the high low pass he can hit cutters he can shoot he's got decent touch he's got instincts around defense like he tries to be physical at his stature um let's assume he can put on some weight that's yeah i don't get think on, he'll be on a, the zion diet a little bit yeah oh god not not the big dumbo <laughs> he I'm just scared with – the frame scares me. It has nothing to do with basketball because as a basketball player, I think he's as top-notch as you get for a He's as talented as, as, as it comes. Yeah. So I, I really do think Houston probably is the spot for him just because due to their lack of a traditional point guard, he'll probably get more on-ball playmaking reps. And, you know, I, I think people need to realize when it comes for player development – those reps matter. 
like this is why you get some athletic wings like Paul George or Kawhi Leonard. Again, Hall of Fame comparisons. Take it with a grain of salt. But that's why you can see those guys make a leap. They're getting more reps. They're getting more experience in, in greater roles than someone like, let's say, a Matisse Thibel, who is super athletic, can defend. But, but he's in a limited role. In a limited role. Jimmy Butler is another one you could throw into the, the previous uh, category of players I just named. Like mid-ground wings would develop. But I say all that to say, I think the Rockets and Chet probably make each other the best versions of themselves. I know the Magic and Chet have been linked, but the Magic are just such a fucking tire fire that... I feel like any prospect... It's just a weird team, because you drafted a ton of guards back-to-back-to-back years, and just none of them have really hit yet. Like, you know what I mean? Suggs, I really like coming out. I would like to see him have another year. He hurt his hand this year, I think, and then his splits took a nosedive. Cole Anthony is not it. RJ Hampton is not it. Markel Fultz has looked good recently. Yeah. Um, small sample size, end of the year. Guys aren't really playing defense, so we'll see. I, I would like to take a flyer with Fultz. I think next year you roll with Fultz and Suggs as your guards. Fultz, Suggs. Wagner. I think you could probably have Cole, Cole Anthony still come off the bench. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come off the bench, but get him out of that starting lineup. Um, I mean, for the Magic, what are they, what, number two in the lottery right now? They're, they're number two. They're number two. I I think since Chet's gone, you probably got to go Smith here. Is it weird? I think this is Paolo's best fit. Really? I do. I do. And the reason I say that is because I think playing him next to Wendell Carter, I think playing him with a guy with Franz Wagner who can come off screens, he can shoot the shit out of the ball, he can do a lot of different stuff. I, honestly, before I keep, keep going, I, I think if I follow your logic, then I, I think I might agree with you. So Fultz can defend. He's got the tools. He's athletic as shit. Suggs should be able to defend one day if he can't defend right. Can't defend right now. Can't do much right now. Um, they, it just I get intrigued by the lineup of Fultz, Suggs, Wagner, Paolo, and Carter. That five is very interesting to me because Carter is one of the more like he's a mobile big. I'm not saying he's going to switch on the point guards, but he's a mobile big. He can protect the rim. He's athletic. Wagner, I like. I just mentioned all his stuff. I, I think he's a really he's a good, good slasher. Yeah, he's a yeah. good slasher. Good, good around the basket. Can shoot the ball. Uh, underrated passer. Yep. Fultz. Um, I I think the big thing where I'm connecting is that's that's like. You know, Wendell Carter's not a horrible passer either. Like that's five guys that can that can make plays. Like they can you know all I mean? pass the ball. Yeah. They can pass the ball. And you know what? This is gonna give Paolo, I think, the best chance. It's like I said, he's gonna get reps as the guy. But it's not gonna be in a sense where, oh shit, if Paolo can't do it, we have no one else who's competent. Right? It, it's not like dropping Ben, rookie Ben Simmons or rookie Embiid into those process teams or uh, Cade Cunningham onto Detroit. It's like, oh my God, 
Powell's having a terrible game. But Fultz can make plays. Suggs can make plays. Wagner can make plays. Carter can make plays. Like, oh, I don't know. Carter making plays is probably a bit of an exaggeration. Carter can pass the ball. But yeah, right, yeah. Yeah. the point is, you can put Paolo in a lot of different roles within the offense so he can develop a passing touch, shooting. And you, you really get a lot of uh, developmental flexibility with him. Versus if you put Paolo in Detroit, it's going to be like, uh, well, it's up to him and Cade. They got to play hero ball every night. And I don't necessarily think I like that for that team. I don't think I necessarily like that for that player. Uh, I just, assuming they, I think Steve Clifford is, is still the coach of the Magic. I think he'll be out of there this year. If they can get a good young offensive mind in there, I, I think that's, Wait, an intriguing I, five to me. Is it Clifford? I feel like he's already out of there. Good question. Orlando, Magic. Pretty sure it's Mosley, right? Head coach. It is Jamal Mosley. Dude, I, that totally went over my head. Well, let's see what Mosley can do. Let's get him Let's get him some guys before we put Mosley. Because that, that thing, that team stinks, man. They're really fucking bad. But I feel like you put a guy like Paolo in there who can score the ball. He's good passing. That I mean, and then you think about it. You think about it. You're that you're not necessarily a free agent destination, but you're a team that has a ton of money to work with at that point because you're not bound to big contracts anymore. I feel like the the idea for a team that's this bad is you just want to be young. You want to be fun. You want to have. A good locker room. Paolo seems like a good teammate. Um, and, and I think all of those guys I just mentioned, I think they all make each other better. I think Paolo makes Wagner better. I think Suggs and Paolo work well together. I think Fultz will make Paolo better. Because assuming Fultz can keep playing this well, the Magic will have a guy who can get Paolo the ball, assuming Paolo can't come out and get it himself. right? You've got Suggs who can do some secondary tertiary playmaking, but can also serve as a cutter and a three point shooter in an ideal world for his development. Uh, you got Wagner who can come in and shoot the shit out of the ball. He's made plays before you've got Paolo who can like, it's just a lot of versatility. And, and I think versatility is the, I've been saying this for a long time, actually, but the thing that I always take away from that first Warriors team that won the title right after the Spurs won the title is you got to have a flexible team. You got to have a versatile team. You got to have guys who can handle the ball, defend, and shoot. And they have to have high IQs. So it will, it's to be determined. We will see how the magic turn out. But I, I would like to see those five guys get a shot together. Yeah. On to Detroit. I think Jabari Smith is the best fit here. It'd I have think. to be Smith. I, I, I don't think – Ivy Cunningham and, and Sadiq Bey kind of just like that because it's not it enough little, shooting. It's not enough yeah. shooting right away. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think if you look at uh, Jabari Smith, you look at Auburn as a basketball team this year. The one thing Auburn missed as a basketball team this year was Sharif Cooper. And I say that because they needed a primary initiator who can get the ball to their guys. Detroit has that. Detroit that just steadied them. Ball. Just just steadied them constantly. Could control the game. Yes. I said and, Kate the ball. 
Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I meant to say that he could get Jabari the ball. But you look at Houston, right? They don't really have a lead guard who can get guys the ball, which is why I think Chet is probably the best fit there because of all the stuff we talked about. Orlando doesn't necessarily have a floor general who can get guys the ball. They, I like Paolo in that because it gives you a versatile style of basketball. Jabari Smith is a guy who I think needs to be put into good situations, needs to play with a good primary initiator, needs to be able to make his own mistakes in, in an environment with very low expectations. And I think him and Cade Cunningham would just be a fantastic duo. Just a fantastic duo to build around. Yeah, I think his skill set kind of matches Cade's skill set as well because he's a guy who can, you know, he can hit the pick and roll, but primarily going to be a pick and pop guy, you know, can really stretch the floor, uh, great in the post, a guy you can really throw it down to, you know, yep. in the mid post at least. Uh, kind of got to get stronger down there, kind of needs to get better at the basket. But like you said, Detroit, there's really no expectations fast. Like Detroit's a process. You're going to be a process type of, type of situation. Oh, yeah. They're going to they're gonna lose for a couple of years. But watching, having those two, you're going to see, you know, some fun basketball, but I'm not allowed winning. Are we assuming Jabari, Bas- uh, Jabari Smith is a three or a four? I'm assuming he is a four. He's a stretch four. Okay. I don't. I don't think. I think he can put it on the floor, but I don't. He doesn't have that strong enough of a handle to right be a, a good three in the NBA. You know what I mean? He can get away with yeah. that in college. But what what I will say is I like him and Sadiq Bay as a forward tandem. I really like because that. what they can do defensively because he's switchable too. Yeah, I think that's that's a big thing with a lot of these forwards in this upcoming draft. A lot of them are a pretty have a good defensive you know, potential. Yes, very much so. I just, I think this draft is so deep with quality players. I, we've had this conversation before off, off podcast, but there's a lot of guys who just, when you watch them play, you can see the role that they would fill on a certain team on the next level. And it's not necessarily like a star, but it's like, it's a, a, a guy that's going to contribute. A winning player. Mm-hmm. Um, number four is Oklahoma City, which I think that – so let's assume they're moving Shea as per all the street reports. Jaden Ivey next to Josh Giddy is probably about as good as a fit that you could ask for. Yeah. Um, however, the Pacers pick – They pick five. They're pick five. And I really like Ivy and Halliburton together. See, that's another two. But, like, in a real world, there's no way OKC passes. Who's trading up? Someone could trade up for yeah. But if they, I feel like if they trade up, they're going to take Ivy. You know what I mean? Yeah. So but let's this just... is exactly what happened last year with uh, Suggs and Barnes. Remember, the Raptors took Barnes at four, and everybody was convinced Barnes was going there. Yeah. Is there – I just don't see anybody jumping him. Like, Mark Williams, uh, Jalen Duran, Matherin, Keegan Murray, Griffin. I, I, see, I, don't I, think... I like I like Matherin a lot, but, I like, I don't think he's – I don't – I feel like Jaden Ivey is just better. Like He is. I would take him – I love both of those guys. I would take Jaden Ivey over him. He's another one where I think going to a place with low expectations, he's allowed to make mistakes. It's him, Giddy, and Dort. Like I, I think that's 
that's probably good for his development. And I think Oklahoma City, you know, what can you get for Shea? Because we know Shea is good. Um, but at the same time, Shea's contract is coming up and they're nowhere near ready to compete. So that it's an interesting situation. You've got a fringe all-star. I Yeah, exactly. And, like, what team is in a situation where, like, uh, we really, really, really need a young star, and we can we can dump this contract, and like yeah. you know what I mean. And who's yeah. gonna go pay him? Yeah, that's the thing. I don't think I wouldn't give Shea the max. I know a lot of people are gonna look at me like I'm crazy, but he he's a fringe all star. He's not an all star, and I think that's where you get into dangerous territory with money. So who wants a potential all star, and what can we get for him? I think that's the question. And if you're going to replace a guy like that, replacing a guy with Ivy, who, like Giddy, Giddy, can go both on and off ball, I think makes for a really intriguing backcourt duo, even though I just said you don't win titles with your first and second best players as guards. It, but, it's really but the Thunder got a plan. They, they got a plan. Yeah, they got a plan, <laughs> and his name is Victor Wembanyama, and they also have no – position to sit here and talk to me about title hopes they need to figure out a competent basketball team first so on to indiana at five this is the first real question of the draft for me i go a lot of different directions i think the way you need to look at this is i fucking love tyrese halliburton i think he's fucking awesome he should be what we're looking to build our entire team around Let's see who's on their roster. Indiana Pacers. They've got, as I mentioned, Halliburton. I they think – let's, let's go assuming Malcolm Brogdon's going to be moved because I think there's a reason why he's getting rested right now. Let's Buddy Heal is still on contract for three more – or two more years. I, at I think Buddy, Buddy Heal's in for the long haul. I think they, they value his shooting. Brogdon is on for three more years at $20 million. Miles Turner, I don't know if he has a player option next year, but he's got one more year. Uh, Rubio's an expiring. TJ Warren's an expiring. They've got McConnell for three more years at about $8 million. Uh, they've got Duarte, who's shown to be pretty good. Um, they've got O'Shea Brissett, Syracuse's own, who's a quality ro- back-end rotation player. They have Dwayne Washington, who they've been giving a lot of minutes to. I don't. He's only on a one-year deal, though. But it's really Halliburton, Duarte, one more year of Turner, Buddy Heald, and whatever. So they, they could really do anything they wanted. They, they have no direction. Um, what would you do? Because I think I know what I would do. Uh, at this point, I feel like I'm either looking I, – I, I got three options in my head. I could go Matherin. I could go with the athletic guy, you know. Yep. Has a lot of potential, explosive athlete. Um, Jalen Duran's a guy that probably interests me here. You know, yep. Real big body. Yeah. Uh, you could go Keegan Murray, you know, stretch four, stretches the floor. You just got rid of Sabonis, but they're a little bit two different players, but, you know, fills a need at four. Um, and I went with Murray before, but I'm kind of leaning Matthew. Like, because I just, when I saw him play in the tournament, I, I kind of fell in love with him. The re- I, 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 loved, I loved that Arizona team all year. They were my favorite team to watch. 
Matherin is a real motherfucker of a player. I think that guy's just a gamer. Um, he, he can guard, he can shoot, he can put on the floor. I think playing with Halliburton, just setting him up, I, I think that's – when I look at the teams that are next, Portland, Sacramento, New Orleans, San Antonio, I, I think Matherin and Indiana are the, the best marriage of the available destinations. I'm, I was really tempted to say they should trade Brogdon and Turner and grab Durin, but like I said earlier, it's about the wings and the playoffs this year, and, and if you want to – if you want to try to win, you got to have a, an elite wing. And Matherin has at least potential. It, it's hard to quantify someone's potential. I don't, I don't think you could say, well, this guy potentially can only hit this ceiling versus this ceiling. He has the athletic ability. He's got the skill. I, I think Matherin's the guy. I agree. As much as I hate to see him go to somewhere like Indiana. Portland at six. This is another team that quite like Oklahoma City, needs to focus on putting together a competitive team and not think about championship products. We have no idea what's going to happen with Damian Lillard. Um, they've got nothing else besides they, – they're running some shameless lineups out there these days, man. Some fucking oh, yeah. shameless shit. Here's what they've got going forward. They've got Dame Lillard for three more years. Nurkic looks to be an expiring – Ingles is expiring. I believe Eric Bledsoe has a team option, so he'll be expiring. Josh Hart for three more years. He's a quality player. They've got Anthony Simons, who I believe is going to have his player option picked up, if not extended. Justice Winslow might have another year. They have Keon Johnson for three more years. Nas Little for another year. So they've basically got Damian Lillard, Anthony Simons, Josh Hart, Nas Little, and nothing. So they can do anything they want here too. I, think... uh, I I know where I'm going. I think I can't say only one guy comes to mind, but when you think about, I'm I'm going in with the assumption that Damian Lillard is in for the long haul. I want to win Ooh. in Portland. Portland mindset. Ooh. So if, if that if that is the case, if he if he's a man of his word, uh, I think pride Durant's a pick here. Yeah, he wants to play with say. athletic guy. Um, uh, yes, absolute bully. Like Durin's the like, guy, and the reason he's the guy is because the crime of Damian Lillard's career is the fact that he's never played with a mobile rim running big. You look at what Capella was for Harden. You look at what Javale McGee was for the Warriors. Obviously, to a lesser degree, but you look at what DeAndre Jordan was for the Clippers. Um, I could probably name more guys if I thought harder. But just those type of guys for elite guards are huge. I think Lillard would make Durant's life so much easier. Um, he's just a phys- – I love, I love Jalen Durant. He's, he's awesome. Put him with Daniel Lillard. I, I know a lot of people have compared him to Bam. I don't think he, he can put him on the floor quite as, as well. I don't think the playmaking's there. But I, I, get, I guess I see the comparison, but – um, the thing, I, thing that's tough for me about that is Bam Adebayo might be one of the best switching centers ever. I saw some insane deep dive onto his switching ability the other day, and it, it's – I don't have it in front of me. If I Let's see if I can find it. Uh, but he switches more often than any other center in the league, I believe. I could just be talking out of my ass here. 
out of BIOS switch switches. Let's see. Everything all yeah. Anyway, if anybody wants to know what what the fuck I'm talking about, just Google Bam Autobio switches. You'll get like three articles. Go ahead and read those. It's very impressive. I don't think it's a fair expectation. I think they just need Duran to be a rim runner. Go grab twelve board. Go be as aggressive as you want on the boards. Anchor our defense and catch lobs. Catch lobs. Yeah, like you don't have to be a world beater. Damian he's athletic he enough. He can he can be a decent shot blocker, not like elite. Not not gonna be Rudy Gobert. Yes. The big thing for him is going to be: Can he develop the basketball intelligence to anchor an elite defense? And I don't want that to sound like I'm being some stereotyping white guy announcer. No, no, no. I mean like Rudy Gobert, Joel Embiid, Draymond Green, even. Draymond, Bam, those guys are geniuses on the defensive end. They call, they make all the calls. They know where they got to be. Like, if he can develop that level of basketball intellect, he'll be a monster in the league. I think that's all we have for Portland. Sacramento at seven. Oh, dude, what a dumpster fire, dude. Anybody's career. To the poor soul that gets drafted by Sacramento. They've got Fox. They've got Sabonis. I think they've got another year of Harrison Barnes. They've got uh, domestic violence allegation man, Rashawn Holmes. They've got anti-vax holiday, Davion Mitchell. Like, what the fuck? This team is fucking weird, man. Dude, I, I think the most, the biggest atrocity is trading Halburn. It's just like you guys were nowhere near competing. You're nowhere near. Just keep your young guys. Uh, dumb trade, man. Like, but if you're gonna trade him, do it for someone with a higher ceiling than Sabonis. Like Sabonis to me is just white Julius Randle. That's probably just literally. literally. <laughs> <laughs> He's less mobile, but he kind of just does the same shit. And it's not a championship. He's not a great defender. He's not play any defense. He doesn't. Might might knock down a three here and there. He, forget know. championship players. Like he he's barely even a playoff player. Like they haven't gotten that much better. I just I don't understand what the direction of this team is. Therefore, it's very difficult for me to recommend them a player. Um, they first of all, Rashawn Holmes. Probably a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Sabonis, I don't think has shown he can play successfully next to another big. I think if you have Sabonis, you just need to scrap defense and go a hundred percent on offense. <laughs> like, and with, know, and with my hard. thinking, yeah, I know. With my thinking on it, it's you traded two guards to the Indiana Pacers: Buddy Hield, Halberton. Uh, one made plays for you, shot the ball a little bit, but one was a knockdown shooter, I guess, to fill a need. Uh, you'd probably go out and get Johnny Davis. You know, probably the best shooter in the draft. <sighs> what is he, 6'5"? Yeah. Can you play Fox, Mitchell, and Johnny Davis together? I think Johnny Davis could play a little bit of wing. He could play, get away with three. Uh, I just I hate this for every single player involved. 
Anybody who goes there is just there. This is just literally the worst team you could ever want. Like De'Aaron Fox is cool, right? He's a very good player. He's borderline All Star. I think he's better than Shea. That almost got me killed on Twitter for saying that. Um, you've got Davion Mitchell. I feel like that's not a hot take. I don't think it's a hot take. I think it's it's not a hot take. But go on. I think Davion Mitchell is the. uh, He's he's like like, he's like wannabe Marcus Smart. I was gonna say I was looking for my comparison here, but he's basically like the premium brand version of Patrick Beverly. A point guard that's three and D. He can't shoot yet, so that's a fucking problem. But he's a better defender than Pat Bev. Tell him I said it. He can, yeah, he can actually play defense. Yeah, yeah, bro, that man's. I said it. Yeah, his rookie year. In his rookie year, this man's nickname is Off Night. That's hard. But then again, it's like he's on the Kings. Like, the Kings That's didn't need mean. that. The Kings, it was such a stupid pick to me because he could have fell and so many other teams could have used him this year except the fucking Kings. The Kings are hilarious because they drafted three awesome guards that just have no business being on the same team. Three awesome, three awesome guards that don't fit together. They don't. Like, not at all. Um... And then they've, they've got Harrison Barnes, who probably is a stretch four, not a three. They've got Sabonis, who's a four and not a five, or five and not a four. And Rashawn Holmes, who's a domestic abuser, an alleged domestic abuser, and also a five. Like, that's just, you're not doing anything. They've got Jeremy Lamb expiring. They've got White Dante, who's on the team. I just, I hate this team. I hate this team for anybody. Can we give them Adrian Griffin? Because Adrian Griffin has the highest ceiling. See, I, I, I I wanna I wanna get put uh, Davis there because I think I think Griffin's fits down the line. I think Griffin's fits down the line. His best fit for me. Well, like, I just struggle to give the Kings another guard. But then again, I struggle to give the Kings anything. Like, what are we doing with Harrison? Can we do like they stink? This is the worst franchise. In the can we can we can we move on and say they don't deserve anybody? Let's just. I, <laughs> I feel like he's going. Let's I'm not sure. spend all day on this, but would Keegan Murray next to Sabonis and just play five out basketball? Like I don't know. I don't know. I, I just skip the Kings. The Kings stink. Fucking hate that team. The Pelicans pick at eight. This is an interesting team because if Zion. By the way, I, I'm gonna give uh, I'm gonna give the people a little take here. I've been saying this off the air for a few months now. Zion Williamson is signed to CAA. That is his agency. CAA is a humongous agency. They're one of the biggest agencies in the world. They've got a lot of power. One of their former executives is now running the Knicks. Right. What has Zion Williamson said about the Knicks? He loves the atmosphere. He loves the garden. They went out and got his boy Cam Reddish. They have R.J. Barrett. They're looking to move Julius Randle. They're going to fire their coach. I think Zion to the Knicks is either going to happen this offseason or next offseason. And I think you can book it. Is, 
Uh, all right. Is this year the year he can get extended? No, next year. Okay. So is it is it after this summer he's a restricted free agent, or is it next year, then another year? After next year, he's a restricted free agent. So the – okay. So the play here is going to be the contract, right? It's going to be – all right. But he's extension eligible this summer, correct? He might be. He might be. I think so. So I think that's when the smoke and the fire comes when those conversations start. If they come to him like, here's a Supermax, and he says, fuck no, then – He's not yeah. turning down – CAA not turning down the Supermax. He'll sign the Supermax and he'll force his way out. That, that, that's no longer – Ah, yeah, you're you're kind of right. Yeah, you're kind of right. Yeah, change the game. Yeah, but I feel I, like I, I feel like the NBA doesn't want to go through another long struggle like that, dude. It's just not a good look. He won't sit out, I don't think. But I, I'm also banking on CAA playing a big role in this. I know I know Clutch gets a lot of allegations and deservedly so, but we got to keep that same energy for these other agencies. But I I agree. You can you can pretty much lock Zion into the mix at some point. But let's assume, for the sake of this exercise, that he's in New Orleans next year, and that their starters are C.J. McCollum, Brandon Ingram, Herb Jones, Zion, and. I don't know if they keep Jonas or they try to trade for a better big, but does Jonas like is the Hornets' best interest the Hornets, the Pelicans' best interest at number eight, trading that with Jonas to get a better player to make a playoff push to keep Zion? Because who of who of Keegan Murray, Mark Williams, Adrian Griffin, Johnny Davis, like is I feel like and and I I, I feel like. Eight's too high to, to go get Ty Ty Washington. I don't think he's that type of player. I do too. You know, I do too. You know what I mean? Um, a buddy of mine mentioned this to me last night. Shout out to him. He said, does Jonas and picks for Miles Turner make sense? For the Pelicans? For the Pelicans. I guess because I guess it's an upgrade from the bigs you have because the bigs that they do have play his role because like Jackson Jackson Hayes like not like he's not a he's probably not a starter mm-hmm. he's not bad anymore I don't I don't necessarily think he's a starter because who and who would you pick here to to fill a need for them that's what I mean for the for the pelican I don't I don't know do you, do you do Johnny Davis just like you said for the shooting? Do you do Adrian Griffin for the star potential? I I, f- I feel like you don't do Griffin because Griffin would then be a rotational guy, and he's not like we said. If we're going off, we're drafting a guy off potential. A, a potential guy needs reps. Like yeah. even even the Warriors found a way to get Kaminga reps. Injuries were yeah. the best thing to happen to him. Yeah. Um. With that being said, I think at that point you'd probably go Johnny Davis, a guy that can just shoot the ball. You can throw him in a rotation, come shoot the ball. 
Yep. Um, that's about it. Like I, he, and for him, I don't think his ceiling's that high, but I think he can be a good player. Is Jonas and pick eight? For, let's see. Let's see what we can get out of this. Jonas pick eight for Miles Turner, and could they get like I don't know, pick McConnell? Can they do that? No, doesn't work. Um, yeesh. I just I don't know. I feel like the Pelicans just need to get Zion back and see what they have, because Larry Nance can play your small ball five. Um, Larry Nance is a pretty good player. They have Devontae Graham, which I just don't know why they have Devontae Graham. Can we throw Devontae Graham in this trade for Brogdon? No. Can't do anything. I don't know. This is weird. This is weird fit. Seven and eight just are awful. Yeah. I but I guess I guess with with eight you can if we I guess with seven and eight you can pencil in I guess guys like Keegan Murray or, or John Gates because it's probably going to end up being or Griffin or Griffin. I could see if Sacramento the picks take. if the picks aren't traded. If they aren't traded, yeah. Sacramento, I. I'm I, I don't Sacramento. think. I yeah, hate I Sacramento. Don't... Sacramento needs to fire their whole organization. They need to fire their owner. They need to get some freaking. They need to have a fan mutiny. They need to. I don't know. Vladdy Divac ain't there anymore, but somebody needs to smack shit out of him. Um, <laughs> I, I truly think they pass on Luka Doncic because he refused to play for him. I truly I, – I, because Luka's dad had beef with Vladdy back in the day. That's that's what the street said. Yeah, it's just awful. They still took Bagley over Trey Young and Jaron Jackson. That's <laughs> you did. That's, that's kind of – That's unforgivable. Your number two pick is no longer with the franchise because he hated you too. You passed on a guy who hated you for a guy who you made hate you. Like, it's just – it's a clown show. It's a fucking clown show. No matter who they take, they're just going to stink. I fucking hate it. It's not fun. They're, they're a shitty team. They're a shitty organization. I feel bad for their fans. Not really, though. Uh, the Pelicans, I feel like their best interest to aid is to trade the pick. I don't know who they get or who they send that to, um, but is what it is. Number nine for the Spurs. I've got a very strong opinion about this pick. Um, let's hear what you wanted to say first, though. I say AJ Griffin. Okay. Okay. Why? I, mean, I think you put him next to DeJounte and Kelvin. DeJounte and Kelvin. I mean, DeJounte's what, about 6'5 himself? You know, yep. long rangey guy. Yep. A decent defender, but can get in passing lanes. I think Keldon, good two-way guy. I think AJ Griffin has a the potential to be a great two-way guy. Um, he's like he. I think it's, the Spurs would be the perfect spot for him because it's just probably the best developmental team in the league. When it just looking back at their track record, look at Kawhi Leonard and what he became just playing there. And I think AJ Griffin shares some of those similar skill sets to the the two-way wings you see in the NBA now. Interesting. That's a very interesting take. They do have Devin Vassell. They do have Josh Primo. They do have Lonnie Walker. So my first thought was the same team. I, I was really looking at Mark Williams for them. 
I, uh, that's a really good case on AJ Griffin, though. I really like that. Because, and then look at the, the future, the, the way the NBA is going. Everyone wants to be switchable. Everyone wants to be versatile. Yeah. Interesting. Like, look at the way the, the Celtics are built, you know, yeah. just wings all around. And I think that's the direction the league's going. I, yep. But I can, I can, I want to hear a case for Mark Williams, but I, I got Mark Williams down the line. But I'm, I have I, Mark Williams here because, for the same reason I would have had Durin here. You get them a real athletic center, a rim runner. You, Mark Williams is another one with the physical tools to where if he develops the IQ and intelligence to command a defense, he will be a force. I've been on record with you multiple times since December saying I love this draft class, the big men. I think they're all physically very gifted. Not all of them, but the ones, that, the ones we'll talk about at least. I think Mark Williams – if you can put him in the Spurs culture and you get the Spurs, think about what the Spurs have been missing since Tim Duncan left. They've been missing an anchor. They have not had an anchor. DeJounte Murray is capable of first-team defense. Keldon Johnson, like you said, a good two-way player. It's the same argument, except I'm putting the anchor piece there. Your argument is more you get them that a potential wing star, which, again, I, I see both players here. Like, I, I think both of them would, would serve really well. I just think if you put Mark Williams and develop him into the anchor and you bank on just a couple of Dan ba- or Vassal, Primo, they have Josh Richardson apparently, which who the fuck knew? Wait, what? Uh, yeah. The Spurs have Josh Richardson. <laughs> okay. they, also have, they also have Zach Collins. This is okay. This is just a really weird collection of dudes, I guess. Trey Jones is on the Spurs? I, I knew about Trey Jones. Trey Jones had a good game the other night. Shout, shout out Trey Jones. What the hell do. Is I don't know. But I think Griffin or Mark Williams. It, it just depends on the direction they want to go with their team. It's also going to depend on their new head coach. Because I, I think it's pretty much a guarantee that Pop's done. Yeah. The other thing is, the other thing is <clears throat> I've, seen, I've seen Mark Williams falling in drafts. Is it realistic that they could get Adrian Griffin – and Mark Williams, because the Spurs have the Raptors picked this year. That's see, in in my eyes, I don't think I don't think Mark Williams would get past a, wherever the Hornets draft. Wherever I agree they land, with that. I, agree I don't with think that. he gets past, and oh, especially man. especially when he gets to the the combine, he might even rise even even higher because of yeah. the physical. Like, dude, he's agile. He's long. He, he's awesome. He's a fucking freak, dude. He is awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you. Him and Jeremy. And, and we'll get to the Hornets later, but I, I think that's where it ultimately features. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop a, a, a tremendously flaming hot take when we get to the Hornets. But let's – I want to say Mark Williams to this first. Uh, just go along with it, and I'll tell you why. Mark Williams to this first. Number 10 – Washington. They've got Porzingis now. They are going to extend Bradley Beal, whether Bradley Beal stays there or not. Corey Kispert is an NBA player. He's had a good rookie season. Kuzma, Pope. They kind of need a point guard, but I feel like there's better options on the board. 
there's better options town-wise on the board at this point. What at this point, AJ Griffin's still on the board. Uh, Sharp's still on the board. Um, oh, yeah, I, I totally forgot about Sharp being in this. I think I think for the exercise, we probably probably take him off. Yeah, take him uh, off. Yeah, we're, we're too deep in. But um, if you're if you're I, looking- I think I, I I just think AJ Griffin just creates a, a log jam of wings that just don't work. Like you know if what I mean? Are, it's like I, I feel say, like if you if you don't if you don't take AJ Griffin, you gotta take Ty Ty Washington. Let's let's recap this for a second. What the fuck did we say the Pelicans were doing at eight? Did we have them taking Johnny Davis? We were taking Johnny Davis or trading a pick. Okay. Can we give AJ Griffin to Sacramento at seven? Because I don't think Griffin's gonna fall this far. Okay, yeah. Just be I I, I can't see mm-hmm. it with them. Um that would be just as Winslow esque, but at the same time I think he's a better prospect than Winslow. And the Kings are dumb. So let's say AJ Griffin seven, Johnny Davis slash trade out at eight, Mark Williams at nine, ten to the Wizards, you know what what, what they got Kuzma. Yeah, what they is? have Kuzma. He he's on for two more years. I feel like Kuzma and Keegan Murray are kind of like similar players. I was going to say the same thing. They're a little redundant. I, I, I feel like the – see, I would say Ty Ty Washington, but I want the Knicks to take him with the next pick. Like, I think there's just a better prospect than Ty Ty Washington, and I don't know who it is, but – I don't believe in drafting for fit, even though this entire thing is supposed to be based on fit. I don't believe that you pass up better players because you need have something that you need. Um, I'm looking at the wrong fucking list here. Would they take Hardy over Ty Ty Washington? Jaden Hardy? Yeah. At that point, you're you're banking on, um, I guess, because we don't really know much about the G League guys. But yeah, he this was know. a dude that this was a dude that was touted very high. You're drafting on purely on potential with that pick. I, I'm reading they're saying they've got him penciled into the mid round or middle of the first. Ty Ty Washington is six three. I thought Ty Ty Washington was six one. I think that he's just a, he's Ty just Ty. a he's just a just got a got a weird frame. Like you know what I mean? Yeah, he does like have a slender frame. dude. I, I think the pick here is Ty Ty Washington. I, I just like we could spend all day thinking about it, but it's just the no brainer. Um, you, you get a real point guard who may have his own team. He's got Porzingis to help him out. Like I, I think it's a good situation for him. Yeah, and and like, it's an he can at least at the college level he was able to find his own shot. Uh, Pry can be a good pick and roll guy at the next level. I think that's really his role in the offense. You know, setting the the yes, you know, setting the pace, coming off of pick and rolls, being that type of guy. Yes. Um, but like, and the Wizards are another team, like no direction really. Like, it's just kind of which I think is kind of good. In this situation, the fact that you just give him Porzingis and no expectations and are just like, hey, man, go go do stuff. 
probably helps the young guard. Um, the Knicks at eleven. See, this the Knicks is... need a point guard too. Yeah, they kind of need everything. They need to find religion, find God. Uh, that's what they need. Julius Randle is going to be traded. Derrick Rose is on the roster at $12, 13000000 million a year. Fournier's got three more years at $17 million. Kemba Walker is on the roster but will not be anymore. R.J. Barrett, Nerlens Noel, Obi Toppin. This is just a shit show. They probably trade this pick, I would, if I were to guess. I don't know who they traded to. I don't know who the fit here is. This is not a deep point guard draft. That's the problem. Yeah, you don't, like you said, you don't necessarily draft the fit. But I guess with with this one, we could we could say the Knicks would would try to trade it and try to you know get better as a team, fill a hole through finding a veteran um, versus trying to throw in a guy like I would say the next best available point guard would be Kenny Chandler. I yes, I like him. I like him, but I think this is too early for him. Yes, too I, Yeah, this this is this just screams. There's not even a guy like I like Jeremy Sohan. I think that's how you say his name. The guy from Baylor, Baldur guy. Yeah, I, I like Sohan too, but I don't think he. It's not fit for me. He doesn't make sense. He doesn't make sense mm-hmm. here because Randall, for whatever he is, they're going to try to get Zion in. They still got Obi Toppin. It's I. Because, like, for, for a guy like Sohan to really, really reach that, I guess, what his role would be in the NBA, like, stretch forward type of guy, who is – who's he setting screens for? Who's setting them up? Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, who on the Knicks is doing that? Yeah. Yeah. Just, it's just ugly. I mean, I can't believe – so let's just – I don't know, whatever. Portland is 12th. I can't believe we haven't drafted Keegan Murray yet, but this is the no-brainer for them. If they could wind up with Keegan Murray and Jalen Duran, they're cooking with gas, in my opinion. I like Shohei here, too. Interesting, interesting. But I think the obvious pick, if he falls this far. Yes, I, I think it's, I, yeah, it's either him or uh, Sochin, Shone, whatever his name is. Um, just pairing a four and a five together, I, I think is very advantageous. Not a four and a five, but Jalen Durant and and it's one. two bigs with two different skill sets. Yes, that's that's the point I'm trying to make. Mm-hmm. Um, Charlotte at thirteen. I've been waiting on this all show. I thought about this last night, and this is what I need to happen. You understand the Utah Jazz are breaking up this year, right? This is their last dance. Yep. Quinn Snyder is going to be out of there. Uh, Philly needs to get him into Philly. Um, Rudy Gobert is most likely going to be traded. I need the Hornets to go get Rudy Gobert. I need the Hornets to get Rudy Gobert. So you're trading the 13th pick to the Utah Jazz? Yes. Yeah, in whatever the fuck else it takes to get Rudy Gobert. If you are Michael Jordan, you get off your goddamn black and milds and, and whatever you're drinking, and you make this trade. And you know why else this is going to be a great trade? Because Utah can get back a guy that they love. 
a guy that they know, Gordon Hayward. Think about it. The Utah fans need a rebuild. They need something to sell them on. They're really racist anyway. So getting a white player back that they know, the fans, the fans will live with that. Yeah. They're bad people. People are going <laughs> to the, the, the Utah Jazz fans are going to find us and they're going to yell at me. But Rudy Gobert for Gordon Hayward straight up works salary-wise. So if you do like uh, Gordon Hayward, let's say P.J. Washington, let's say Kai Jones, and let's say 13, thir- 13 book night, whatever. That, now we're cooking. Now, because if, if you have LaMelo Ball, if you have Miles Bridges, and you have Rudy Gobert, you might be able to get a free agent. You might not have any money left. But, damn, Terry Rozier is making a lot of money. That's problematic. But, hey, Lonzo, or not Lonzo, LaMelo and Rudy Gobert is a better fit than Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Easily. Easily. Yeah. I, I'm not going to defend Rudy Gobert right now. That's for another pod. But Rudy Gobert is a very good player. That's all I'm going to say. He's well, a lot of without, without a trade, that's where I think the, the Mark Williams pick makes sense. Yes, that's easily the best fit for him. But I, who does, who does, I want to hear is all three of the Jazz take. If the Jazz are here and there is no – Griffin, no Keegan Murray. Um, I think they would do something like. Is Sochan? Is that how you say his name? Uh, I think it's Sohan. I think the scene's silent. So Sohan's an interesting pick. Um, Guy like Walker, Walker Kessler's on the board, too. I was looking at Walker Kessler if they want to do a one-for-one positional replace. But they could probably trade that down for Walker Kessler. Um, it depends if they keep Mitchell or not. But let's say Sohan. There's a lot of variables here that need to happen, by the way. like if, I, I think Kennedy Chandler could be a good pick here, too. That's, that's if, you're keeping, if you're keeping Donovan Mitchell... Get him yes, on the right. you know, kind of getting older. The thing for the Jazz, number one, if Shaden Sharp declares, this this fucks up the whole thing because everybody's going to be moved down. Um, number two, because Shaden Sharp, to me, if he declares, he probably goes to Indiana at five. See, but, he's an interesting one. He's, he's an X factor because I think realistically, in my eyes, before the tournament, he could probably go – from now, I think you could probably go, like you said, from five to like probably 13, but I don't yeah. think he falls out of the top 10. Yeah, I agree. And like, I think the worst case scenario for his career would be to get drafted by the Kings because they just draft on talent. Sure. Anybody who's, who's fucking to the Kings is the worst scenario for their career. Uh, the 13 for the Jazz, I. It, it really depends. I, I think the thing that's going to depend the most for them is how many guys are they moving on from? Is Conley staying? Are they moving Conley? Are they moving Bogdanovich? Are they moving Mitchell? Right? Because that, that changes the direction of the pick, in my opinion, at least. Maybe they take Nikola Jovic. 
not Jokic, the playmaking power forward, not the playmaking center. Perhaps. Go through that international play block. Yeah, so. Tari Eason. Yeah, yeah. Let's say this is the Jazz, and let's just say they take, uh, let's say they take Chandler, whatever. Um, 14, Atlanta. There's another team. There's another team that this is why we can't do a mock draft right now because there's so many dominoes to fall. Atlanta's probably going to make a move. Maybe they're the team that trades for Rudy. But they have an abundance of wings. There's a gluttony of, like, like you said, like, it's wings, but, like, they're not switchable wings. They're, they're not great on defense, and they don't shoot the ball incredibly well. Outside of Hunter, I think. But for them, let's let's just say I don't know. I don't know what the fuck they do. They might not even be here. This could be Brooklyn or Houston from Brooklyn. So let's wrap up prospect talk. Um, should we do should we do the NBA awards? Should we make that a different show? I think we got enough time. Let's do it. Um, how do we want to start? So we've got all NBA teams and we've got the awards. What do you want to start? Let's. With? I would say let's save all NBA for another time. Let's just do awards. Okay. Okay. Well, let's do the awards and see how much time we have left. Right. Let's do MVP last. Okay. What do you want to but, start with the rooks? Let's start with the rooks. Let's start with teammate of the year. Teammate no, of the year. rookie of the year. Rookie of the year. One. Do our one, two, and three. All right. Um, start with three. Go ahead with three. Uh, with three, I'd probably have to go Kate. Oh, at three. Yeah. Wow. Just um, because I think I, I, I think my, my had he caught his stride like real, real early, like really started to play well, you know. I know they're they're losing games. You know he's putting up big numbers and he's showcasing uh, what he can what he can bring to a team in the future. But I, I think just from because I got Scotty Scotty Barnes second and then Evan Mobley's the rookie of the year in my opinion. I just think the impact Scotty Barnes and Evan Mobley had on their team. I think like, I'm I'm thinking about it more like I guess if like. MVP, like, like I don't know, they 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 just contribute to their teams winning, and like if they weren't part of their their teams winning, they weren't be they wouldn't be as, as great. Like that's what I'm trying to get. If the Cavs didn't have Evan Mobley, Raptors didn't have Scotty Barnes, they probably wouldn't be in the position they are. In my, they opinion. probably wouldn't be in the playoffs. Yeah. they'd probably be in the play in. Um, what I really like about that is. It really does a good job of staving away from recency bias, which is something I want to talk about whenever we do all NBA. Um, Mobley and Barnes had day one impact. Cade has played the best stretch of basketball out of all these guys, but it was he was not Cade, this Cade Cunningham day one. 
That's not to blame him. This is just rookie of the year. Rookie of the year don't really mean shit in the grand scheme of a career, but I think Cade Cunningham is special. I think he's going to be that guy. But I think Mobley and Barnes have had more complete seasons. Yeah. So I agree with you. Um, here's a good one. Uh, here's an, uh, Let's keep getting the easy ones out of the way. Coach of the year, who's your top three? <sighs> top three. Oh. If I had to start at three, I think I can only really think of two guys that deserve it in my eyes. Um, however, you pronounce his name in Boston, I think the turnaround he had midseason was a. You talking about Neil Long's husband? Yeah. Oh, oh. But I him. think, I think the winner should probably be Monty Williams, and that shouldn't it shouldn't be any question either. Mozzie Williams, yeah. 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 He should have had it last year. And to me, he's the clear-cut winner. I had Spo at two and Taylor Jenkins from the Grizzlies at three. Okay. Uh, same concept we just talked about, about complete seasons. Boston was 500 for half the season, and they just turned into world beaters in the second half. But I, I really like the – and I did most of my awards and all-NBA team based on – not just counting half the season. So that would be my three. But again, I think it's a clear-cut Monty Williams award. Um, six man of the year. Uh, I don't. There's not much conversation here. It's Tyler yeah, Hero. I, it's Tyler Hero. There's and a couple other guys that have had decent years. Cam Johnson uh, could be in the conversation. Kelly Oubre's played well. Um, but, even Kevin Love, man. Shout out Kevin Love. Hey, love, love yep. Bro. yep. But it's Tyler Hero and it's the honorable mentions, which sucks. Because yeah, and you gotta give him credit, Cuz came out in kill mode right away. He sure did because <laughs> he made those comments about the bubble, and people were talking about him in the bubble. And he was—I guess he took it personally. He got with Jack Harlow and got in the gym, and I don't know. Um, another one that I think is actually pretty easy, even though I looked at it a bit differently. Most improved player? I mean, like, man. I'm, what, I know what that, that say, award, I'm that award, you. that award's just like. So subjective. Yeah. You know what I mean? Luka Doncic almost won it last year. What the, what are we doing? You know what I mean? I, I hate that people mentioned DeMar DeRozan in there. I think that was pretty disrespectful. Um, I get where people are coming from, but there's a better way to say someone had a really, really good career year than saying most improved because he's been an all-star. So um, it's so. First of all, I'm just going to go with my three. I have Darius Garland at three. I am a very big Darius Garland guy. I watched a lot of Cavs this year. I think he's he's going to be a, a in the top five point guards. Conversations really soon. That dude can ball. I, I watching him play in person. Dude's quick as a cat and got eyes in the back of his head. Like he's he's a good player. I, like I love him. the way he plays. He's Steve Nash the remix. Um, number two, I wanted to give him the award because I really do think he made the biggest leap this year. Is uh, Dejounte Murray? I think he's deserved of it. He is. I don't know what his stat. He's like 22, 8, 9 or something like that. And, and he's like another guy that no one's going to talk about because he plays in San Antonio and they're not winning games. No one cares. Yes. Yes. 
Number one, I don't think it's like what we said with DeRozan. John Morant is going to win the most improved player, but I really but like don't because he was rookie of the year, right? He was rookie of the year. He fucking was awesome in the playoffs last year. Like, I, I guess what trips me up about this was is is the fact that if you watch the play in and the playoffs last year, this was the John Morant we saw. He'd been there, yeah. He yeah. killed the Warriors. Killed them off like, the He took that leap to me at the end of last season. I don't think the leap was this season, but he jumped in point. He had a big jump in points per game, which typically is what uh, what kind of warrants that awards. Yes, yes. So his jump in points per game, I've got it right here. He went from 19 points per game last year to 26 and a, 27 and a half this year. So that's that's what people want to see. Um, I think he's been there. I think the most improved player is Dejounte Murray. I think Miles Bridges has a good case for it. I think Darius Garland has a good case for it. God, even Tyrese Maxey. I was going to say Tyrese Maxey has a really Tyrese Maxey is like third in the league in three point percentage. Yeah, Jalen Brunson is another one who no one talks it. about. Dude, a great player. Jalen Brunson's the second best player on the Mavs. He's a very good player. Um, yeah, I, I, looking at the league, I don't think there's a lot of other guys who jump out at me. Not to be disrespectful if I'm forgetting anybody. Um, but I'm comfortable with that group of guys we just named. Now, the controversy. The MVP. But I think, I think this award is harder to decide than MVP. Who is your executive of the year? Man. I think there's two candidates when I really sit down and look at this. I think it's between Masai and I think it's – well, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that. Masai and Kobe Altman are the first two that I, – I, I think – Based on yeah, I I know where you're going. What you're what you're thinking? Yeah. Uh, Mark Eversley, the GM for the Bulls, I think is is the other guy who finishes out the top, the top three for me. But I I would go that direction. I would say the reason I think the reason the Bulls won't the Bulls GM won't necessarily get it is because kind of built that team through free agency. Kobe Altman just massively just maneuvered trades, drafted. Like, it was – I think this year, the year Cavs had, was a number of moves that, like, yes. fourth came in the, in the number of years. Like, it took yes. to get there. I think that's why he deserves it because, like, it was I, I a think... overtime type of thing. I 100% agree with Kobe Altman. Because I think, I think it would be, for me, be between the Cavs and the Bulls. Uh, I, I threw Masai in there. as an I have no problem putting Masai anywhere one through three. I think the reason I lean Kobe Altman after what you just broke down is because, number one, they went out and they got Karis LeVert after Sexton got hurt. They went out and they got Rondo after Rubio got hurt. They picked up Rubio in the first place. They revitalized Kevin Love. They stole Moses Brown. 
well, I'm not saying he's a world beater, but he's a high energy player. That's a good backup center. He picked up Laurie Markinen. They drafted Evan Mobley. Did I say they got Rondo after Rubio got hurt? Like they yeah. just all around have made good move after good move. And they're in the play. I know they're in the play in now, but that's because of injuries, right? They had a you want to talk about satisfying seasons in the same realm of UNC. They've got to be very satisfied. And by and not extending like, Colin Sexton, they have retained a maximum salary spot slot. To go out and go get a guy. To go get LeBron James when he's a free agent. LeBron James's uh, boy, Brandon Williams, is now the assistant GM for the Cavs. Yeah, it's Cavs. It's just mass, it's just masterclass. Uh, I, um, I, and, and I think – and I think what makes it even better is that it was a vision that was, like, perfectly executed. They they really sat down and was like, we want to get big, but we want to be switchable, but we just want to be long. When I saw them in person, it was just like, dude, like, whoa. I, I was, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. once – and once the, those younger guys start learning the game, learning about the NBA, you got Jared Allen and Evan Mobley standing down there. Mobley as a help defender and Jared Allen at the rim. Evan Mobley as your help line defender is a cheat code because I also feel like, not this year, but he has the potential to be an elite rim defender. Having a guy who can play elite help and elite rim defense is a unicorn. And it kind of hides. It makes marketing useful because like you can hide him a little bit. Yes. Because he can make up ground. He can throw him on a help side. And he can close out on a corner shooter just because he's long enough to do it. And you can also tuck him away on guys like P.J. Tucker, who are like non-offensive threats outside of one or two spots. I just I, – I love what he's done. I'm not going to spend too much more time harping on it because you got to talk about MVP. Nah, DPOY, man. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. You're right. You're right. You're right. You know why I went right to MVP? Because I couldn't figure fucking deep way out. I couldn't figure it out. Based based on like what the odds are saying, they're saying it's gonna be Marcus Smart. Oh, get the fuck out of here! Yeah. Oh God, that's I I, I personally I personally think it should be Bam on the buy. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. What is the Miami Heat's defensive rank? I had Miami Heat is the third ranked defense. You know what? I agree with you, and I'm going to tell you why. I spent about 45 minutes looking at my defense, Depoy top three, and I very much agree that Depoy – the reason I say I agree is because I listened to uh, the J.J. Reddick, Joel Embiid podcast, and Embiid basically said uh, Depoy should always go to a big. Now, I don't necessarily agree with that, but I agree with that because of the era, right? If you look at when guards were winning Depoy, that's when guards were playing night in and night out, absolutely lockdown defense. Like and 94 feet. You, right. Almost. But they were also playing under a different set of rules that allowed them to play lockdown defense. I don't think, and this is very hard for people to understand, I don't necessarily think there is a true lockdown defender anymore. There are very good defenders. Marcus Smart is a very good ball defender. Marcus Smart is not a lockdown defender. 
I like feel like the closest thing you would have to a lockdown defender in our era was when Kawhi Leonard won him. And there's a reason why they, he won him. Yeah, it, it was Kawhi Leonard. And to me, the, Kawhi and Tony Allen were the last two true lockdown defenders. Now, Kawhi's body has taken a turn to where he is no longer doing that. And Tony Allen is in uh, insurance fraud schemes and out of the league, so he's no longer doing that. But... Like, listen, I, I know you can put guys on dudes, and I'm sure someone's going to hit me with some infographic of, like, oh, Marcus Smart, when he guards the Listen, Marcus Smart is not – he's not the defensive player of the year. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And, and the reason I say that is in the same logic of why the MVP of the NFL is always a quarterback, because it is their responsibility, both the quarterback and the center of the defense, to make all the calls – to set the coverages, to anchor the team. They are responsible for the defense. Um, and given that, DeAndre Ayton is the center for the number one defense. He's not, to me, the – he's not – like, he's the anchor there, but I, I think Mikhail Bridges does more for that defense – then, and they got a lot of great defenders, too. They got they Jake do. Crowder. I mean, Cam Johnson plays a little bit of defense. Devin Booker competes. Bridges. Um, I, I just don't think it's right to give it to Aiton. Um, the Memphis Grizzlies have the second-best defense in the league. Uh, Steven Adams, I'm sorry, is not the defensive player of the year. And then Miami is third. I think this needs to be said. If Draymond Green was healthy, I guess, I guess we could shout out Jaron Jackson. Jaron Jackson's solid defender. Yeah, I don't think he's the DP away. That's a very good point. Um, Draymond Green has only played forty three games this year. If Draymond Green played the same amount of games as Bam Adebayo, which I believe is fifty six, Draymond Green would be the runaway defensive player of the year. Run away. But given the fact that the Heat are the one seed, they have the number three defense. I agree with you. My defoy would be Bam Adebayo if I had a vote. And honestly, the next three for me are probably like Embiid, Gobert, and Giannis. Yeah. Because the Bucks have the seventh-ranked defense, Sixers have the eighth, and Jazz have the tenth. So, I... Marcus Smart is not fucking defense player of the year. I don't know who needs to hear that shit. And if Marcus Smart find, finds me and hears me saying this, I'm sorry for saying it so aggressively, but you're not the defense player of the year, cuz. It, it, it's a big. And Marcus Smart might be one of the best. He might be first team all defense. He's probably one. He is one of the three best guard defenders. He's not defense player of the year, man. Get the fuck out of here. You're not putting Marcus Smart on Kevin Durant, all right? Because if, if you're saying a guard or a forward is the defensive player of the year, you're saying they're playing lockdown defense and or anchoring it. Draymond Green, I'm leaving out of that statement because he's the exception to that rule, but there, there's no guard winning defense player of the year these days. Like, it's just not because you're saying he can lock down anybody on the perimeter. And Marcus Smart cannot do that. So, no. I'm sorry. Now we get to MVP. You want like, to do the top we already, five? We already, we, top five. Yeah, I, I like a top five. Because you don't want to exclude some guys. Uh, for me, five is Luca. I think he, his second half of the season has 
he might be the best player in basketball over the second half of the season. Uh, see, I flip flop from from Ja to Luca. I thought. Yep. Yep. But um, I, like you said, if you if you're counting second half of the season, definitely Luca. I know Ja's been hurt. He hadn't played, you know, in a little bit, but um. It, and the Grizzlies obviously don't help his case because they keep fucking winning without him. So it's pretty funny. Um, yeah, and people on Twitter are saying they're better without him, which is complete comedy. Like I, that yeah, is that, crazy logic. Yeah, but um, yeah, I I guess with with that line of thinking, you could probably interchange five A five B. Yep, yep, I like that. Number four, I gotta go book. Yep, book is my four. And now, now we get to the real debate. Let's provide the people with some statistics. Giannis Antetokounmpo this season. He is averaging 29.9 points. Let's say 30 points. He's averaging 12 rebounds, and he is averaging six assists. That, with, by the way, he's tied for the two seed. He is, to me, they, oh, actually, actually, they play the Celtics tomorrow night on TNT for the rights to the two seed. So that's interesting. But Giannis, to me, is by far and away the best player in basketball. And I don't think there has been a clear-cut gap between the first and second best player in basketball since 2014 with LeBron and Kevin Durant being hurt that year. He's the best player in basketball by a country mile. Yeah. Jokic is, he was the MVP last year. And he got better this year, which is something that very rarely happens. And, and and for the people that's like, like oh, Embiid's doing a lot more with blah blah blah. I'm like, dude's missing two of his, his better guys. Like he's missing his running mate and you know a, a pretty good rotational piece. He that's right. He's miss he's missing uh, Jamal Murray, who's an elite and guard, and he is missing anti-vax great value Harrison Barnes. Um, Jokic is averaging 27 points. 14 rebounds and eight assists on 58 from the field, 34 from three, 81 from the line. Um, apparently, one of Jokic's nicknames, according to basketball reference, is Big Tipper. He also goes by Cookie Monster and Big Honey. These are things I do not believe. Um, 73 games. I don't know how many games Giannis played. Look at that. How many games has Giannis played? Giannis has played 65 games. And now we look at Joel Embiid. By the way, the Nuggets are the seventh seed, I believe. See what they're playing right now? Did my mic cut out? We had a technical difficulty. Okay, we're back. We're back. We're back. The Nuggets are the sixth seed, I believe. Let me check that. Uh, NBA stand. I think they got a, a game, game and a half on Minnesota right now. It might be. It might even be more than that. The Nuggets, Nuggets lost are, last night. The, the Nuggets, Nuggets are the sixth seed. They've got two games on on Minnesota. 
But they're a half game back of Utah from the five. So, man, Philly Philly could wind up with a two seed. Philly, Milwaukee, and Boston are all tied for the two seed right now. That's going to be an interesting finish. Um, The Nuggets are the sixth seed with a ceiling of getting to the five seed. Wow. Embiid stats. Let's go to Embiid. Embiid right now is the league leader in scoring. He is averaging 30 points, 12 rebounds, 4 assists on 50, 37, 82. I genuinely think the media is going to give it to Jokic. That's what I think. I I would be inclined to believe you. Even though if we're going towards the general thinking, if we go by the general thinking of the award, consensusly, the num- the best player on the number one seed should be Devin Booker. But you know the the what Joel Embiid has did you know this season, like being the best player, keeping them like pretty much at the top of the the East, even you know without Harden, like pre Harden trade, like. That has to be talked about. Like, you know what I mean? Like th- yes. that has like you know, that means something. Like I know Jokic went the entire season without any of them, and you know he's fighting for his life out in the West. But the East is, is just as good, if not better. Like the East is better than the um, West. Yeah. Like um, if, if, to me, if if the media like I like the the media is going to tilt it Jokic's way. It's the odds reflect that. Do you know what's but, sickening about that? Is Joel Embiid has played the most games in his career this season, and he missed I believe ten games due to COVID protocols. He's played. Someone wrote an I saw that. And someone wrote an article saying he didn't deserve it because he missed games. He's played sixty-seven games. Giannis has played sixty-three. Like I. I you know, even with that thinking, Giannis should probably win it if they finish, you know, too. But, you know, I I personally think this is my thinking with the award. I'm sorry, Jokic Giannis is, played 65, not 63. My general thinking with the award. Jokic is going to win it. I think John Bead should probably win it this year, but the MVP of the league is Giannis Antetokounmpo. I agree with that. If that makes, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that in the sense that he's the best player, um, and he's having arguably the best season, and I think it's that simple. Um, that being said, if I had a vote, I would wait to see what the final standings were because to me, right, to me, if you look at the traditional history of the MVP award, whether it's right or wrong, and we can have that conversation about criteria another day. Um, it seeding matters, right? The even if the Nuggets get to five, they don't have home court. My vote would go to whoever has the higher seed between Embiid and Giannis. I would split them one and two, and I would have Jokic three. Because there's too many guys in the past who were left off because winning has traditionally mattered. Um, 
And I think it's that simple. And even now, as I'm talking this out, my, my logic is different. I, I had Embiid one, Jokic two, Giannis three. But I think it's whoever finishes higher between Giannis and Embiid and then Jokic at three. I, I just think home court matters. And everybody made a fucking fuss over it when Russ won. They said he was too low of a seed to win. So now all of a sudden, Jokic has the same exact fucking seed as Russ and the people, the same media members who were crying about Russell Westbrook winning the, as a low seed are now all in on Jokic. It's just weird logic for me. Yeah, um, it, it is. I, I think Giannis is the best player in the league, like I said. So I, I think it's between Embiid and Giannis. And it's going to come down to the last day for me. It's going to be whoever finishes with the higher seed. If the, if the Bucks are two and the Sixers are four, it's Giannis. If the Sixers are two and the Bucks are four, it's Embiid. And that's really all, uh, all I had to say on that, honestly. Um, it'd be very funny if the vote was split. Did they split MVPs? Yeah. Didn't uh... – no, that was Rookie of the Year. I don't think anybody's ever split MVP in the NBA. Let's see. Has the NBA ever – I know Peyton Manning and Steve McNair split an MVP. Um, I'm gonna assume no. I know he's split an All Star MVP. I've never heard a league MVP. I know where the Shaq and Kobe won. Yeah, I don't think they ever have. But I could see that happening this year. But I, I just the reason I don't think it happened. I think if they, I think if they split it, it would be Embiid, Jokic. Yeah, but I think Giannis is gonna get too many votes for that to happen. (laughs) If you like, agree. The traditional thinking of elections is splits happen when there's only two viable candidates. But if there is a third candidate, um, usually fucks that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One way or the other. Yeah. Uh, we got six minutes left for a two-hour pod. You want to quickly tell the people why the Sixers are going to be a dumpster fire in the playoffs? Um, short version. Um. They still don't have – well, even though they put up 130 last night, I just don't think the offensive fits there to really get it done, and they can't defend anybody, you know. You give up almost 70-plus points to the fucking Pacers in the second half of that game. like dude. James Harden is cooked, by the way. That man's first uh, step. Dude, oh, my God, yeah. His like, first step is gone, and I want it on record right now. Um, He's gonna. It's gonna be ugly for him in the playoffs. He's gonna have a really, really ugly playoffs, and people are gonna get really mad. This team has no depth, right? Georges Niang is one of their better bench players, and he's not gonna be able to be on the floor in the playoffs. He's not gonna be able to guard. Um, and Bead's gonna have to be superhuman. Tobias Harris, I still think, is not gonna be able to work off ball. It's he's gonna, gonna have, have to be... shoot. He's gonna have to shoot thirty-five plus percent from the three-point line. Yeah. Him and Maxi, like it's all these factors that have to go right. They have to play perfect to to win. Like, you know what I mean? Cheated off of. He's going to be cheated off of all day. DeAndre Jordan is going to be in putting me in hell. Um, Danny Green, he ain't that guy anymore. Tyrese Maxi has never caught a, a playoff scheme before. He was in the playoffs last year. He wasn't catching schemes. So I think. It's gonna be rough. I, I, they, I, in like, they have two great offensive players. Like, mind you, James Harden's not the 
the same player he was, not the top five, top ten guy he is. Probably still maybe like top twenty-five, top thirty player in the league. He's still can wheel and deal. Yeah, really. But with that being said, there's not enough shooting around him to really, really like. And you rack up a you rack up thirteen assists against yeah. the fucking Pacers. Not gonna rack up thirteen assists against the Celtics. And he has not developed the shooting himself to compensate for his loss of his first step. Oh my god, dude! You can't shoot. You can't fucking shoot anymore. Like, yeah, I I don't know what it is. It, it's it's ugly. I have no confidence in Doc Rivers to make any adjustments in the playoffs. I I hope to God Doc Rivers is the coach of the Lakers next year. I will drive Doc Rivers to L.A. myself. I'll pack his bags. I'll clean his house. I'll move his family. Like whatever you need me to do to get Doc Rivers to L.A., I'm in. Um, yeah, what do you think? What do you think of Russ saying he's he's wants to stay in L.A.? That's the plan. He'll be a Clipper. He'll he'll get yeah. traded in some type of deal to a team like Portland or Jazz, or he'll end up somewhere. He'll get bought out and he'll be a Clipper. Because man, dude, that team is the Lakers are in trouble for a while. Lakers are done, man. Lakers are cooked. Their goose is cooked. The Clippers are going to win the title next year, by the way. I just want to put that out there right now on April 6th, 2020. 2022. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Because had, had their stars' bodies healed, I would have said they were a dark horse winner this year. Oh, yeah. If if Kawhi, if you told me Kawhi and Norman Powell would be back to play the Suns, I would say you're going to have a war. But next year is always next year. Um I say the if the Sixers make the conference finals, it's because you're seeing a superhuman effort from Embiid and nothing else. That first round matchup matters. It sure does. Tremendously. It sure Tremendously. does. Tremendously. They need to get that two seed and play Cleveland. Yeah, because I think that's their best matchup. And also, you would probably rather see Brooklyn in the first round before Simmons gets healthy. That's a tricky man. I don't know when he's gonna get on the court. It's kind of hard to rush back from back injuries, especially into a playoff series. And and they've seen the results of well, we outside of a, another team, we've seen the results of rushing starts back. Yep. You know, in series, it's yep. never it never turns out great. Yep. Finals prediction. I think I got to go rematch, man. Suns, Bucks. I just don't see anyone really beating the Bucks. I got the same thing. I, I think the only way the Bucks can get beat is if Brooke Lopez just isn't 100% anymore and Chris Middleton is a du- continues to be a double agent and Wes Matthews is not that guy. But outside of that, they're, they should be in line for another finals trip. Same thing in the West. I don't see anybody knocking off Phoenix. I think Phoenix is too deep. They're too well coached. Got too much talent. Golden State's not going to be healthy enough. I think Golden State's going to get bounced prime, maybe in first round. Like they better be careful if they play the Nuggets. That's all I'm going to say. I know that sounds crazy, but Kevon Looney cannot handle Jokic. Jokic will average 40, 12, and eight against them. Something nutty. But if the if the Warriors play the Jazz, they'll be all right to the second round. I need I need Warriors Grizzlies second round. That's what I need. Give me Warriors, Grizzlies, Phoenix, Dallas second round. That's fuck. We're cooking with gas now. Yeah, and then I think get back to the Sixers. I think the worst case scenario for the Sixers is to run into the Nets. 
because that's just yep. it's just going to be a slow death. Yep. Because you're just going to have Ben in street clothes laughing at you guys getting torched. Pretty much. Um, last thirty seconds of the pod. Last twenty seconds. Got anything uh, for the people? Ah, not much, man. Not really, man. All right. Well, be on the lookout for uh, the NFL pod coming soon. We'll recap our last pod and what we got right, what we got wrong, and we'll talk some draft. But until then, deuces, people.